Every day, the graduate student writers of astrobytes.org publish summaries of recent developments in astronomy. Then we sit down with three recent astrobytes of our choosing and bring them together, sometimes in ways you wouldn't expect. This week, we will have an Astro Soundbites Beyond episode. I'm Sabrina Berger, and I'm a PhD student at the University of Melbourne, where I study the high redshift universe, both observationally and theoretically. And I went to community college. I'm Alex Galliano. I'm a PhD student at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign, where I study supernovae and the galaxies they come from. And I didn't go to community college, but I'm really excited to learn about what it was like. And I'm Kirsten Boley, a PhD candidate from The Ohio State University, where I study how elemental abundances impact planet formation and evolution. And I definitely went to community <laughs> college. <laughs> You're listening to episode 67, Beyond, Breaking the Stigma Around Community College. If you read Astrobytes, you know that every Friday's post is a Beyond post, meaning it covers something other than a research article summary. Beyond posts cover everything from the gender gap in astronomy, to advice on grad school applications, to book reviews. You may want to check out our previous Beyond episodes, such as episode 26 on advisors, gap years, and grad school. Or our most recent episode 60, more on sonification. This week is part one of a two-part series into an in-depth look at trajectories into astronomy from community college and the stigma around it. As both attendees of Community College, Kirsten and I will also be guest posting an Astrobyte synthesizing these episodes, so stay tuned for a link for that in the next episode. Yeah, so before we get into what exactly a community college is, we wanted to ask Alex as someone that didn't <laughs> go to community college and isn't part of the community college club, sorry Alex, mm -hmm. what's your perception on community college? For the uninitiated, let's see. I got the impression that community college was a place where you could take lots of very different courses and explore your options. Growing up, there was a community college right by where I lived and uh, several of my siblings attended. But other than that, I don't know a ton about like the day-to-day -day experience and what it was like. So I'm really looking forward to this episode. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been in a group of astronomers where the majority went to community college. We're the two-thirds majority here. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but also, I feel like I almost want to start taking a poll every single time I'm in a group of astronomers and be like, who went to community college? Because I feel like it's more common than, mm -hmm. well, at least I used to think. Yeah, I think you're right. I think people just sometimes don't say it. So, I mean, that's why mm -hmm. we're having this episode. Maybe the fact that we're talking about it will bring more people to express it, and then we'll find out that it's more common than you might think. Maybe we should, instead, we should call this Confessions of Community College. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> community College Confessions. I like that. Getting into the hard-hitting questions here. So, what exactly is Community College, and what are its goals? I know, but, you know, I, I feel like we should definitely address this for the uninitiated. For me, just say it. It's okay. I get it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I was Googling around actually to see if community colleges existed outside of the USA, but I think that it seems to be 
sort of an institution that only exists within the U.S., or at least in its form that we think of it. There are probably other similar forms of preparatory colleges around the world, but I don't think there's anywhere else where community college truly plays such a large role in communities as it does in the USA. So community colleges are open to anyone. You might even have an eight-year-old in your class, an 88-year-old, and they're a place where we can all access inexpensive and quality education. Professors don't usually do research, so you get to learn from people who are actually passionate about teaching. I don't even think you need a GED or a high school diploma um, to apply to go to a community college. So I think you can also just go at basically any age. Maybe there's some rules if you're under 18. I didn't know that. No, you definitely can. I I did go to a community college when I was 12. Fun fact. Whoa, cool. <laughs> That's so cool. So the three missions of community college, according to Stanford Graduate School of Education, or an article that they wrote, are as follows. The first is to equip students with the coursework and knowledge to transfer to a four-year institution. The second is to build on your career. So maybe, for example, I know a lot of people that went back to community college should take med school requirements. They needed OCHEM and other chemistry, biology requirements. OCHEM, organic chemistry, right? Organic chemistry, yes. Cool. So they did their, you know, undergrad in English, and now they're like, doctor. That's a thing in the U.S. It's not as common elsewhere. They also are a place for students to build fundamental skills with less background in math and English. So, for example, my community college had a math lab that was basically, I think it was six, I don't know if it was seven days a week, but at least six days a week where between 8 to 5 p.m. you could just drop in and get unlimited one-on-one math tutoring. So you could basically just sit there with your homework and have access to people that knew how to solve the problems, which I haven't seen anywhere else. There are also many high school students that earn college credit at community college, like Kirsten. And I also took some classes at community college when I was still in high school. And they actually make these classes free, at least in California. I don't know if that's true in Georgia as well. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. If you go to a public high school, usually it's, you know, part of going to the school. You can just kind of go to community college and take classes. Yeah. So I think it's also a really excellent way to level the playing field in terms of the different high schools that exist. You know, my high school barely had calculus, but I went to undergrad with people who took differential equations in high school that were like offered at their school. You can really level out the playing field if you can go to your local community college for free and take differential equations with other college students. Or maybe, as is particularly important to Astro Soundbites and astronomy in general, maybe your school doesn't offer astronomy courses, and most community colleges offer at least one or two astronomy courses in a lab even. Yeah, one of the things that really became clear with my interview with Nicole that we'll hear later in this episode is that it just makes a lot of sense, specifically in the U.S. when there are a lot of general educational courses that you need to take in your first couple years to just get all those out of the way and get a a breadth of different educational experiences. And maybe that is also why it's specific to the U.S., because I know in a lot of places in Europe, by the time you get to college, you're specialized, you're taking courses for the specific thing that you want to do, and this kind of like well-rounded liberal arts education that is focused on in the U.S. might leave a lot of room for people to explore lots of courses in something like a community college. Yeah, I think it gives you more freedom. 
So maybe that brings me to my question. Sabrina, why are community colleges important? What role do you think they serve? Yeah, that's a really great question. I mean, personally for me, I think it was just important in my career as an astronomer to go to community college. I don't think I would have studied physics had it not been for community college, which maybe I'll talk more about in the next episode. But I think community colleges can really act as an equalizer in our education system and therefore are really vital for increasing diversity, especially since the quality of you know primary education systems is oftentimes so correlated with the affluence of an area. Community colleges can really bridge that gap between the affluent and the more underserved areas potentially. So just in terms of prices, community colleges are extremely inexpensive compared to four-year institutions. So as Alex was saying before, a lot of people go there to you know get their general education requirements out of the way and take the, the first two years of classes, saving thousands and thousands of dollars. So community colleges typically cost less than $5,000 a year for all of your tuition. Whereas, for example, I looked up like Stanford, which costs more than $50,000 a year just in tuition. So you'll be saving a very significant amount of money. And also many states have also instituted fee waivers for community colleges. So if you're income is below a certain amount, the entire education is free. You don't have to pay like a penny. Another thing that I wanted to tack on to this is that, you know, they, since they act, like you said before, as a, you know, building block to transfer into four-year institutions, most of the time they pair with other four-year universities within the state so that the credits actually transfer. Because when you try to transfer from a four-year university to another four-year university out of state, you may run into some issues where your credits don't exactly transfer, but community colleges, at least within the same state, usually have some sort of pairing with these four-year universities. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. I could see like which community college classes were equivalent to the UC ones that I would take, and it was like all listed out out nicely for you. Um, mm -hmm. So that's that's really nice and makes it easier to transfer. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, last question in the introduction. What are we hoping to accomplish by having this episode? That's another great question. Thanks, Alex. So our goal for this episode is really around breaking the stigma of community college and making people more aware of just how many people in astronomy went to community college. I think some of us don't want to say it because there is the stigma around it, but I've had a lot of people tell me various things about my community college experience. I don't know if it was necessarily supposed to be mean or anything, but it definitely made me feel like I didn't want to share my experience. They would say things like, oh yeah, everyone I knew in community college in my hometown never even transferred, or they just like never graduated from college. That's not true, and Kirsten and I are here to tell our stories, um, having both attended community college, and now we're in our PhDs in astrophysics. Heck yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I just think it's really important to share these stories and kind of highlight all different backgrounds in astronomy and just all the different trajectories that you can take to actually become an astronomer. And I think community college can cultivate an environment where diversity can thrive unlike almost anywhere else, honestly, in terms of education. So today, we're going to be lucky enough to hear Kirsten share her experience. And we'll also hear an interview from Dr. Natalie Nicole Sanchez, which Alex did 
So thanks so much, Alex, who attended a community college and has a PhD in astronomy. And you'll hear that in a few minutes. So Kirsten, do you want to take it away and tell us about your experience in community college? Yeah, definitely. When is there going to ever be another time when I'm going to get to monologue about <laughs> community colleges? <laughs> yeah, so I I guess leading up to going to community college, you probably need to know a little bit more of my background and, you know, why I even chose to go to community college. So I grew up in a rural part of Georgia specifically Rome, Georgia. It is in some ways a college town. It's very weird. There's like two universities. One has been, what, decredited now as a four-year institution? <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. <laughs> Jeez. That was pretty funny because the, some of the professors that worked at that four-year university, there was like a mass exodus of the science professors leaving there and like a whole scandal. But I won't get into it. It was very interesting, fun. But um, there were also two <laughs> community colleges within the town that I grew up. So four, four colleges total, which was kind of fun. So... In high school, I actually, and part of middle school, I was homeschooled, which I think is kind of interesting because I feel like homeschooling, a lot of the time people think that your parents are teaching you everything and like reading from the book and, and you know, whatever. But really, the books that you have are a bit different than what you would get in public schools. Should our next Beyond episode be about <laughs> homeschooling? <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> That would be interesting. That could be a cool one. I've actually found some people that are doing their PhDs and are homeschooled. I always wanted to be homeschooled. <laughs> yeah, me too, <laughs> Yeah, I always felt like so jealous of the people that were homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so at some points I did want to go to like public school. In retrospect, I am very happy that I was homeschooled. It was very kind of project-based, like you have to get certain amount of work done which kind of set me up for doing research because you just have to get stuff done and there's no true guiding guiding force other than you know yourself and reading and stuff but anyway back to that so I took in middle school some English classes at one of the community colleges that I went to it was called Coosa Valley Tech and then later in high school I started taking some science classes. So I took geology, which that was where my love of dirt began and rocks and <laughs> minerals. Um, and this is no surprise, I suppose, since I do research on exoplanets and interior research as well. So um, yeah. So anyway, I, I started off and I did some classes in high school. And one of the main reasons that I did community college before going to a four-year university was, A, I'm a first-generation college student, so I was quite literally paying for college myself the whole time, and it was much cheaper, and my older brother went to community college. He was saying, yeah, you should do this because it's like $1,000 a semester, and I was, I was working at a coffee shop, so I was like, yeah, I can save up and get some grants without going into debt, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which was, which was huge. And also, I was going to have to take those classes anyway. I just knew that I wanted to transfer to Georgia Tech. I had tunnel vision on Georgia Tech for whatever reason. Because I was like, I'm going to be an engineer because 
well, my brother said that he was going to be a mechanical engineer. So, of course, I was like, I have to one-up him. And I'm <laughs> going to be an aerospace engineer. <laughs> Sibling competition over here. Yeah. So, anyway, so I was basically taking all the classes to get an associate's degree in physics while I was there. And I think that, you know, while a lot of my friends were going off to these four-year universities, it was kind of, I don't know, it kind of sucked a little bit. It felt like I was behind the curve. And then also, I felt like a lot of the time, the places that I was working, you know, this coffee shop that I was working at, my manager, he was he was not a nice person. Oh my God. But... Yeah, but he was like, when I said I was going to go and do these things and be like, I was going to be an engineer and, you know, this and that, it was like, okay, yeah, sure you are. Jeez. I've heard the same thing. This is so common. I I think like my dad also is also an engineer, has like basically verbatim this exact story about people being like, yeah, you're not going to do it. Like you're starting in Algebra 2 at 18. Like he has a, you know, he's a master's in engineering. This is just, ugh, it, it makes me mad. Anyway. <laughs> it's crazy how common it is for people to knock other people's dreams down. Like if you just take that at face value, how crappy is that? <laughs> that's such a shared experience. I know. It's like trauma bonding a little bit, but. <laughs> um, Jeez. Yeah, no, but that definitely happened. And I think that, you know, it was. He, he was probably the meanest, but I think that it that wasn't a single event. So I think that there were other people that kind of said or insinuated some sort of things like that, but it felt so good to graduate and come back. Once I, once I graduated Georgia Tech and then I was already accepted into a PhD program, maybe I'm petty. But I did go back to that coffee shop because he he still works there. Nothing wrong with the coffee shop. It's a great coffee shop. Great job. But I did go back and I was like, hey. (laughs) He's like, what are you doing now? And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I just graduated and blah, blah, blah. It was like the underdog finally. It was like you said that I couldn't do it. So I did it. Yeah. What did he say? He didn't say anything. Like, what are you going to say to that? (laughs) That's fair. Like, well, great. Well, I feel like sometimes people change their tune after you do something and they start saying, oh, yeah, I knew you would do it all along. Like, I knew you could do it. That's true. Mm. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I believed in you the whole time. Yeah. So I think initially, you know, starting out, I was like, I felt a little bit ashamed of going to community college just because of that. And speaking of starting off with Algebra 2, I'm pretty sure I started off with Algebra 2. It was mostly because being homeschooled, tests didn't work exactly the same way as they would in Mm. high school. So I had like huge test anxiety. And so I didn't want to get into a class that was like over my head and basically affirm that feeling of I can't do this. So I ended up going to a class that I felt pretty confident in, you know, which I guess kind of probably, if you think about it, was probably a little bit of a waste of money if I didn't really need it. But I I was just like, okay, I'll start here and I'll go through algebra. I think that algebra is kind of overrated sometimes because I think that in general, I feel like the stuff that I mess up in math now is still algebra. It's not the calculus. It's not, 
You know, it's like those smaller, smaller things that um, I feel like are a little bit underrated. And so I'm really happy that I did that. The community college that I went to had all the way up to calculus. So I went all through that. And I also started some science classes while I was there. I did chemistry and that was so much fun. The professors there, they were just so supportive because, you know, that was their main job. It was to teach. And so they really cared about that. And I think one of the things that's really nice in comparison to going to a four-year university is that I think in a way it helped me go up to the professors and talk to them because the classes were just much smaller. It was, you know, like maybe 15 people, 20 people, something around that range. So if I didn't get something, then I could just walk up to the professor, say, hey, I don't get this. And then they actually cared enough to walk you through it and, you know, sit with you until you got it. And I don't know, it just seemed like they just wanted you to learn as long as you were invested in the learning and you were trying to to get this, whatever concept it was, they were willing to sit there with you and and work with you. That's such an important skill to learn in the educational system whenever it happens that like at the end of the day, this education is here for you. And if you don't get something, then like it should be your job to figure out how to get what you need. So whether that's like going to office hours or talking to the person after the lecture and saying like, I really didn't understand this. Can you explain it? It's awesome that you were able to gain that skill like so early on. I feel like that took me a really long time to figure out. Yeah, it's actually kind of interesting. So when I transferred into Georgia Tech, they had an orientation for freshmen where they would basically connect you with other freshmen that were majoring in similar things. But they also did it for transfer students. You got to know people that were generally in the same major or in the same college. So uh, since I was under the College of Engineering, all of the people there that were transferring in were also transfer students and so we took classes together so we kind of had like this cohort when we got there and we were taking some of the engineering classes together and all of us would just go and hang out in office hours with the professors and we would do our homework and (laughs) the professor I guess didn't care he would sit there and we would just you know we would just be doing something and then we would get stuck and we'd be like hey (laughs) so uh can you give us some help with this I don't know if you felt this way Kirsten but I always felt like before I transferred when I was at community college like I could go up to any professor and ask them questions and I felt really comfortable going to office hours but for some reason that completely flipped when I was when I transferred (laughs) and I don't know I was just like really shy about it like I had to ask the right question maybe it was just in my head but I needed to like look smart already whereas I would go ask stupid questions to my community college professors all the time. Yeah no I 100% agree I think that I definitely felt the same shift it was like if I had a question at community college I would quite literally just ask it and I would ask it in front of the whole class too because it was a very different environment but I definitely would go up to the professor afterwards too and ask a question. Once I got to Georgia Tech, unless I had that cohort, that bubble, those people that would go with me to the office hours, I definitely always felt a little bit hesitant just because I felt like they were going to think that I was stupid. So 
I, I definitely get that. But I think that that was a skill that helped me out at least when I initially got to the four-year university because I had that cohort and it was like a support group of transfer students. So we were just like, yeah, we're all stupid. And <laughs> none of us were. But, you know, that was kind of the mentality and uh the the way that we felt and so we were like unashamed of asking any sorts of questions and we weren't ashamed of asking it in front of each other either or to each other or to the professor in front of each other so it was very supportive do you feel like you felt that way because like was it the culture of georgia tech versus the culture in your community college that allowed for that kind of open questions about whatever Oh, yeah. I think that it was totally the environment, 100%. My experience was that the professors in community college, they would encourage questions and they wanted people to ask questions. And so it was a very open environment. And, you know, it was one of those spaces where if you prefaced your question with saying, hey, I think this might be a stupid question, they would like say no. (laughs) This is not a stupid question. You know, it was like very affirming, like, yes, this is a very good question and would continue to answer it. And they were very affirming. So I think that that did have a lot to do with it. I don't remember any professor ever agreeing with me when I said that something was a stupid question at the four-year university. But I do think that it definitely was a very different culture and, and a very affirming culture in community college. And I also think because I was able to ask questions about basically anything I wanted, I think that that's the only reason why I ended up doing physics to begin with, because within my physics classes, my professor would entertain, you know, in physics one, mind you, would entertain questions about quantum entanglement and general relativity and superconductors and all sorts of things and He was very encouraging. Funny story. I met my husband at community college. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is a love story now. That's so cute. (laughs) I know. Well, we met in a physics class and it's so funny um, because we hated each other. Why? Well, it was competition, right? Like we were doing so well. (laughs) You had a romantic rivalry. (laughs) We met in a physics class. We did both physics one and physics two together. And for Physics 2, he ended up doing a project where they made like, it was something with superconductors and like basically some sort of hovering track, like almost like not a hoverboard exactly, but yeah. So the professor let us pick whatever we wanted. I ended up making like a, like a solar charger or something. Like I got a solar panel and I made like a circuit and stuff that would charge my phone. It, It was, it was pretty cool. Like I said, I wanted to be an engineer, so I transferred and I was majoring in aerospace engineering. And I was like, I missed physics classes because I had so much fun in community college in physics. So I took some physics classes and then I just didn't feel the same way about aerospace engineering as I did about physics. And I just really enjoyed it so much. And I think that that spark definitely came from community college because otherwise I really don't see me having majored in physics. Like I I feel like I was very practical about getting a job. My whole purpose in 
like going to college was, okay, I'm going to get a four-year degree. I don't want to do any more than a four-year degree and I want to make the most amount of money. Like what can I get like the most bang for my buck in terms of degree? Mm-hmm. So that's why I chose engineering. And uh, yeah, I guess if I had a finished the aerospace engineering degree I probably would be making more money right now but I'm having a lot more fun I think than I probably would have otherwise I think overall the the way that I felt about community college at the time a lot of like shame and you know feelings like people wouldn't think that I was smart or people didn't feel like because I was going to community college that I would end up being you know quote successful whatever that means. I think that my ideas of community college have definitely changed. And I feel like that was one of my favorite college experiences by far. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy the research that I do in grad school. Grad school doesn't spark as much joy as community college did because it was it was a good time and it was a, just a good time for learning. And also, I think that I definitely feel very fondly about community college and I will hold my associate's degree over my husband's head for the rest of his life because (laughs) he didn't get one and I did. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. He's joked that he was like, after I finish my PhD, maybe I'll just go back and finish up my my associates. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely relate to what you said just throughout, Kirsten. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. I'm sure this is going to be really useful for others that want to be exoplanet scientists. <laughs> Look at you now, a PhD student telling your story for the world so that other people who are potentially feeling weird about community college, but maybe it's the right choice for them, can do it unabashedly and be excited about all the opportunities that it'll open for them. I don't think that I knew about people that had gone through community college and then had uh, like ended up, you know, finishing their degree, their bachelor's degree or, you know, a higher like a graduate degree at that time. So I wish I had have known of, you know, people that made it, you know, they made it through and they finished mm. their degree once they transferred and all of that. I feel like that would have been very helpful. Yeah, I think that, what, I spent two years at community, almost three years at community college. That would have been like at least, I don't know, $30,000. And Mm. I'm pretty sure it was maybe $2,000 a year when I was going. So that's that's a pretty big amount of savings. Isn't that a down payment on a house in some states? I think so. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) 30K. Yeah. Go to community college. Buy yourself a house. (laughs) (laughs) That's the takeaway for this episode. That's a very good one-sentence summary, by the way. Well, thank you very much, Kirsten, for telling your story. That was cool. A love story. A uh, success story. It was a lot wrapped into one. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) And to really round out this episode... While at the American Astronomical Society meeting in Seattle, Washington this past month, I sat down with Dr. Natalie Nicole Sanchez, an NSF MPS Ascend postdoctoral fellow at Carnegie Observatories and Caltech. 
Nicole's trajectory started at Santa Monica Community College in art and took a steep left turn into astrophysics after a research encounter with a memorable mentor. Take a listen. Okay, could you please state your name, your position, and your preferred pronoun? My name is Natalie Nicole Sanchez. I am a brand new NSF MPS Ascend Fellow uh, with a joint appointment at Caltech and Carnegie Observatory. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It's very exciting. Uh, yes, it's been an exciting four months. My pronouns are she, her, and Aya. Okay, and you're at AAS this year. Oh, yes. And I was a graduate student at the University of Washington, so it almost feels like coming home, really, to be here. Got so it. It's okay. really nice. And presenting yeah. on your research is supermassive black hole feedback, is yes. that right? Yes, and okay. its impact on the circumgalactic medium and, I guess, galactic evolution theory as a whole. Got it. Yeah. Okay, so you'll be presenting on that this week. Yes, I am giving a dissertation talk on Thursday in room 606 at 10.50 a.m. Very exciting. Oh. Wow, you have all the details down and everything. I'm ready. Well, I gave a, I was at the NSF symposium over the weekend and I put like a little, not warning sign, but hey, if you want to know more about me, come check it out. So Got I had it. to type okay. that out a few times. Brilliant. Okay, very cool. <laughs> Useful, right? Yeah. So we wanted to host this episode to gain a broader awareness of just all the different ways that people get into astronomy and to normalize those like very different trajectories through it, which we think are really exciting. So this is an episode about community college. You presumably attended community college. I did. Could you talk about the motivations for attending? Absolutely. So just to give a little bit of background on that. Sure. When I graduated, I was going to art school. Like, I was enrolled in art school. I'd actually spent a summer doing an early quarter semester there and was really ready to sort of dive in. But the problem with art school is it's private and it's expensive. And so I was motivated to go to community college to get sort of the general education courses out of the way and not spend what little money I was making on, you know, taking a math class at an art school, right? And so I ended up going to Santa Monica Community College down in Santa Monica, California. Mm-hmm. And, right, that motivation was cost-effective, right, saving money, getting ready to sort of take that next step. And that's where I ended up taking a very foundational astronomy class. Got it. So you decided to do astronomy while in community college. Absolutely, yes. Um, my very first semester there... It was 2009. I started community college and was taking things like art history and drawing 101. And I think I was taking a silversmithing class, right? Like all of these sort of general art-based class. But I needed a science and so I took astronomy. And I had known a little bit about kind of astronomy in high school. We didn't really have an astronomy class, but we had a component about astronomy within my science classes. Um, But this was my first time really sort of delving into the subject. And the really cool thing, I think, for me was that the professor of this class, Professor Gary Fouts, on his own, completely independent of the community college, was running this really small research group with students from his class. And he'd been doing it on and off for a decade. He hadn't been doing it for a few years. But, you know, we had this really active and excited group of students in that class. And so we sort of 
restarted that research group and we kind of turned it into an astronomy club and we were measuring the amount of ozone above the community college looking for O3. And the really cool thing that was inspiring at the time was that Professor Fouts told us sort of early on that if, you know, we were really interested in this and had a deeper curiosity for the research beyond sort of, you know, the the day-to-day measurements we were taking, he was going to select a few students to go with him to Mauna Loa on the big island of Hawaii over the summer to recalibrate the instruments because that was something that he had to do after a year of, of taking measurements. And I was like, that's cool. <laughs> a job where you get to travel to cool places and also do cool things. Yeah. Wow. And so over the course of that year, I just really naturally transitioned. I, I took his first 101 class. I took a 102 class and then sort of discovered, wow, astronomy is kind of interesting. Maybe I'm going to keep doing that yeah so that's a really unique trajectory that's fascinating (laughs) yeah very unexpected when I I remember you know talking to my so my mom and my stepdad um you know I'd moved out of the house to to go to community college Mm -hmm. and I remember calling them sometime in that second semester where I sort of decided to really switch over and my stepdad is an amateur astronomer so he had you know a telescope and I'd never really shown an interest like he'd wake me up at like 3 a.m to look at the lunar eclipse or something I'm like oh who cares about whatever and so when I told him I was thinking about an undergrad you know bachelor in science and astronomy and he was over the moon yeah you could say amazing and you know it's so funny if you had asked me then Mm. I would say that I didn't that, that, that there wasn't anything beyond just this interest that I suddenly found in astronomy, either because of my excellent professor or, you know, I think the research component really did make a difference to kind of see what that kind of job even entailed. Hmm. But something that I sort of recognized later in life is in 2009, there was this interesting study that came out about unemployment rates in various like bachelor's degrees or maybe even PhD as well. And I remember very vividly learning that astronomy PhDs had zero unemployment levels. And looking back, I think that that didn't necessarily mean that all of those PhDs ended up in academic positions, sure, but that they sure. all had jobs. And having come from you know, my I've mentioned my mom and my stepdad, but I was raised by my single parent, my mom, for most of my childhood. Like, I think back on that, and even though it may not have been a conscious decision, that mm. sort of stability, I yeah. think, was yeah. maybe subconsciously appealing um, to be able to pursue something that was both interesting and, wow, you know, I have this opportunity to travel as well, which wasn't something that I'd, I'd had most of my life. Right. And on top of a stability that I didn't know that maybe I wanted or needed. Yeah, it makes complete sense. Mm -hmm. One of my questions was about the extent to which your experiences in community college influenced your career trajectory, but it sounds like it was completely formative. Absolutely. And absolutely. And it really set me on a very interesting path, I think, as well, right? Like community college is the time where I decided to pursue astronomy. It's where I... Did not do well in some physics classes and learned that I needed, you know, more math and more physics sort of foundationally. And then it was a really great 
transition to when I sort of decided where I was going to go for my bachelor's, Santa Monica College is a really good theater school for a lot of the sort of local places. Uh, one of those places is UCLA, and then one of those places is Cal Poly Pomona. And I ended up only applying to those two because I, I really didn't know what I was doing, especially coming into science so late. Like, I didn't really know even what to do with a bachelor's in science or what that might mean in the future. And so I ended up only getting into Cal Poly Pomona, and I'm so thankful for that. Because then, you know, I went there for my bachelor's in science and ended up getting into the Calbridge program that is now like expanded and it's like across all of California. And that was one of my, an additional sort of formative research experience. And I don't think I would have ended up there if I hadn't started at Santa Monica Community College. It was really an important step to getting where I needed to go. I'm really glad you jumped into that transition because that's actually what I was about to ask. Would you be able to compare and contrast your experiences at community college versus a four-year college and then through your PhD program? Wow, they're so different, right? Mm. In community college, it really was mostly about inspiring my interest, right? Those very early astronomy classes, Mm. you know, talking about just what even makes up the solar system what is a galaxy right are are things that you see in those early 101 classes but then transitioning into my bachelor's right the astronomy classes that I took there were very detailed right it was about special relativity was one class and it wasn't actually until my PhD where I feel like I came back to some of those foundational things like, oh, the different types of like asteroids and how we classify them, right? Yeah. It wasn't until I was actually teaching those 101 classes at the University of Washington where I did my PhD that I even came back to those topics. And so it was a completely just different experience. And to say something about the research as well, the research that I did in this ozone exploration with my professor at the community college was something that I did over a lunch hour a couple of times a week, right? We'd sit outside, we'd we'd be in pairs, one of us would hold the instrument and the other one would write down numbers. And then either one of us or someone else would kind of code that data in and then that was tracked across time. Very minimal, but sort of the first step of thinking quantitatively about data And then when I transitioned to Cal Poly Pomona, I was part of one of the Calbridge summer experiences, like a summer REU at the University of Washington. And that was a whole different experience. This was coding. This was learning Unix and IDL. And I was looking at velocity maps of carbon monoxide for a nebula, I think, and making sort of maps of what that looked like. And that was a really amazing experience. Yes, the Omega Nebula, M17, is what I was looking at. It was the first time where the research I was doing sort of slotted into a larger swath of literature that I was aware of. I'm sure that the ozone exploration had, you know, background and literature, but it was nothing that I needed to get into Mm. to be able to do the daily sort of research activities that we had planned. And so it wasn't until my Calbridge REU experience that I really got to see what 
a day in the life of an astronomer might look like. And I got connected to other scientists, other astronomers, right, at U of A and even at Cal Poly, getting connected with a, a bigger network and seeing sort of how broad the astronomical community was. And then, of course, that expanded as I went to grad school. So I actually went to a master's program first. I was a part of the Fisk Vanderbilt Bridge Program, okay. uh, which Calbridge is actually modeled after. Wow. Uh, and so I spent two years gaining a degree at Fisk University, which is the HBCU in Nashville, okay. but then also concurrently doing research at Vanderbilt University. And huh. that research experience was very interesting because it was the first time that I sort of put myself on the driver's seat a little bit more, right? I, in both community college and at Cal Poly, I sort of joined projects that were already happening, right? Mm -hmm. My REU consisted of me being paired with a mentor and then doing work that the mentor needed yeah, done, okay. right? Mm -hmm. And both of them I was very interested in as sort of a broad sort of research experience. But when I went to the Fisk Vanderbilt program, I realized that I wasn't as interested in sort of the topics I had originally thought I was going to be doing there, right? I was part of a sort of proto-star project. I did some observations over the summer okay. of young stars, and I realized, you know, that's just not the thing that I, I find myself having the most interest in. Mm -hmm. And so it was thanks to a postdoc who was a part of the Fisk Vanderbilt program, Jillian Bellaveri, who is now the director of a, another bridge program yeah, for Jillian. the CUNY schools. Yep. Yeah, which is so, it's so amazing. I think one of the fun things about having been in astronomy for a decade mm -hmm, now, mm -hmm. is just seeing where everybody goes. Totally. It's really yes. cool. But so I remember vividly, she was my, not a research mentor, but just the Fisk Vanderbilt postdocs mentored the bridge students sort of generally as okay, well. Okay. And I had been expressing this, the tension of the scientific project I was on and sort of my desires. And she at the time was working on galaxy evolution theory. And said something to the effect of, you know, well, do you have any interest in galaxies and supermassive black holes? You know, would you want to try theory as another option? And I remember, I'll never forget this. I said, I think I'm too dumb to do theory. Because in my head, I'm thinking like Einstein at a chalkboard writing things down. Sure. And the look that she gave me. <laughs> Never said those <laughs> words ever again, except in, you know, storytelling. And so I started working with her. And I mean, it was everything that I wanted out of science that I didn't even know. I, I'm so glad I did that program, right? Like in each of these, each of these steps were so important to the next place that I went, right? right like I'm right. so glad that I tried like the protoplanetary nebular stuff first mm, mm. to know that while it was interesting it wasn't what I wanted to spend my time doing sure. and so then having the possibility of, of transitioning to something else and getting to know oh this feels right mm, in a way mm. that I have now experienced something not feeling right was really important and I think really key and so at, at the end of the master's portion of the Fisk Vanderbilt Bridge Program I had the option of transitioning into Vanderbilt right, the bridge program, mm -hmm. but I also applied a little bit more widely, so I ended up at the University of Washington and have continued my research since then, and it's been really, really excellent, like, being a part of all of these groups at Calbridge, at Fisk Vanderbilt, then at UW, right, I, 
I've built this really wide-reaching community of people. And I think these communities of people that really care a lot, right? Most of them have the intention of supporting like more marginalized scientists. And so having a community of people that I can reach out to who are kind of having the same thinking that I am and who have supported me in this way has been really incredible. So it's been a, it's been a long journey, but a good one so yeah, far. Yeah, that's a whirlwind of different experiences. Woo! That's so yeah. interesting. <laughs> so you mentioned community. Do you also feel that you have like a really solid core community from your community college experiences? Last May, when I did my defense, um, sometime, you know, a month or so before, I reached out to Professor Gary Fouts. And at this point, he had retired, you know, he wasn't really teaching anymore. And I said, hi, you know, it's been 10 years. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm about to defend my PhD in astronomy. My PhD was the first in-person one uh, since the pandemic started, okay. but was also hybrid. And so I said, you know, would you, like, if, if I send you the information, would you want to come And his email was so wonderful. He said, of course, I remember you. Getting this email from you just really proves that you were one of my best students. And of course, I'll be there. And he, you know, he knew that I was going to be moving to Pasadena. And so he said, you know, when you're in town, like, let's get together. Let's, you know, meet up for for dinner. And it was such a such a special moment, you know, to not just be remembered, but for him to like care enough to come and he was there. Yeah. And it was so wonderful to see him after so long. Yeah. So yes, the the community at community college was <laughs> also very foundational, even if it's not quite as big as some of these other programs have become. Sure. That's yeah. amazing. That's also <laughs> just so cool that you were willing to reach out and like continue to foster that connection from somebody from so long ago. Yeah. It makes me want to reach out to the people that shaped me <laughs> to attend my dissertation. Well, mm-hmm. and, you know, to, to speak a little bit about the future while thinking about all of those things and my experiences and what brought me here, right? I, I mentioned I'm an NSF and PSSN fellow. Mm-hmm. And so as part of my broader impacts, the program that I'm developing for that is specifically like research opportunities for community college students. Wow, okay. And so yeah, I I'm building a program that will give students at different community colleges and I'm partnering with Cowbridge to do this. I'm okay. now the, the co chair of outreach and recruitment for, for them. So we're building this program to bring to different community colleges that will give students a similar sort of just very first taste of what research is like Mm -hmm. because for me it made all the difference and so the idea of being able to maybe do that for someone else even if their decision is oh you know what I thought I wanted to do research and now that I've tried it I want to do something else like it's just having that information I feel like is so important. Do you feel that there's a stigma associated with attending community college in academia and if there is why do you think that is? Ooh, that is a big (laughs) question. Mm. I think that there is a stigma, but I will also mention the caveat that it has never been vocalized Mm. that any of the microaggressions or problems or things that I've gone through were specifically because of my attending a community college, right? I have intersectional identities, and so who knows in any specific case, what may or may not be happening, right? Uh, What I will say is that when I have mentioned going to community college and attended one before moving forward, 
I have gotten only positive vocal responses to that, right? Like either, you know, an undergrad hearing that and saying, you know, I was at community college and it's so cool to know that you did or meeting other grad students Mm. who have sought me out because they knew that I had gone to community college and were like, I want to connect with you because, you know, we've had a similar path. And that has been really meaningful and amazing to me. You know, I, I think it's hard to decouple the classism that can come from community college, right, as a more affordable option, the racism that can come from the fact that community colleges are often more minority-serving institutions, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that, yes, there can be a negative view of those who have gone to community college, but it's hard to decouple that from other isms, right? And again, my personal experience in sharing my story, it's never been something I felt the need to hide. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It's good to know. Yeah. Last question. Do you have any advice for students who are thinking about attending a community college and are not really sure whether or not it's the right decision for them? Ooh. If it's the choice between no higher education and going to community college and college is something that they want to do then absolutely right it's usually the more affordable option there's a lot more of them around especially in southern california right like absolutely if it's an option between having been accepted to a a four-year institute and then choosing to do community college as like an either or that's harder right i think it depends on what your goals are right i think there are ways in which community college not only financially but sort of more wide-ranging can prepare you for a four-year college like i went to a really tiny high school right like we didn't have a lot of broad science classes right like i stopped taking math in sophomore year of high school because i was like i'm going to art school who needs geometry (laughs) well maybe geometry would have been important right i think that for me community college was not only important because it was this pivotal transition in my Mm -hmm. life but also it gave me so many options right like i could try so many different courses Right. I ended up falling into astronomy sort of unexpectedly and pretty early on. But there were a few moments where I took like a really incredible anthropology course. And I was like, do I want to go travel the world and like learn stuff about how people do things like the science of like humanity? (laughs) Maybe. Do I want to do English classes and like maybe become a writer or teach English one day? Right. Like there were there were so many moments that could have been that turning point. Mm -hmm. And I think that community college in particular, because there's not that pressure to commit to a major and dive into a department, Mm -hmm. there's so much more freedom and maybe more fun because you can have that opportunity to explore and do it for less money than a traditional (laughs) four year, right? So I... I would never discourage anyone from choosing to attend a community college, but what their ultimate decision is depends on their wants and their needs. Well, if community college was the reason you're in astronomy today, then I'm grateful you're in community college. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Me too. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much to Kirsten and Doctora Sanchez for sharing their stories about community college. 
That concludes episode 67, Beyond, Breaking the Stigma Around Community College, part one. You can find the link to Dr. Sanchez's Twitter in the show notes. See you in two weeks for part two of this Beyond series. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Audible, and Amazon Music. We also have a Twitter, at Astro Soundbites. So tweet at us with your favorite community college story if you have one. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to keep your ears to the cosmos. Cosmos.